Well, good morning. It is good to, to worship with you guys this morning. I love, um, I, I just, I love that last song we sang, Hosanna. And, and as, we, as we were singing, I was, I was, I was singing myself, man, uh, it, it means, uh, as Ken mentioned, it, it means that, that God is able to save, right? And so, so I just, man, I just was just praying that and declaring God's um, grace and mercy and greatness over um, our communities as, as we sang that song. So um, thanks for uh, leading us in worship um, team. Um, we're thankful for, for how you guys do that every week. And uh, it's, a, it's a blessing and an encouragement. If you have a Bible, go to John chapter 20. Um, that's where we're going to start off today. John chapter 20. Um, if you also want to, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3 and 4 a little bit as well. Um, and in Acts, so all those places if you want to get a head start on where we're going today. <clears throat> Before we get into this, though, um, w- one of the things I just want to, I just want to uh, touch on is, is next Sunday, okay? Uh, next Sunday, we kick off a three-week series called Beyond. And, and what we are doing in those three weeks is we just want to say, how do we go with the gospel beyond the foothills, um, beyond the community where God has placed us, because we believe that God has called us to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so how do we do that as a church? And so we're going to talk about missions emphasis um, over the next uh, three weeks, and, and we're going to have some guest speakers coming in. And so, so here's the thing, uh, so, so, so the next two weeks we have some guests coming in to share with us about how we go beyond, and here's what I say. If you miss when I'm speaking, I'm used to it. It's good, right? But, but if you could, um, just prioritize gathering with us over the next two weeks while we have guests. Um, I just would love, I think that would be an encouragement for them. Um, and so just uh, you don't want to miss what's coming up over the next two weeks as we talk about how we go beyond, um, how we uh, go beyond the foothills with the gospel. And so... So yeah, so uh, three weeks ago, we kicked off this series called We Can't Stay Here, and today we land the, the, the plane, if you will, and what we have just tried to say over the last um, few weeks is we just tried to say, hey, listen, we believe that we have a church um, that is on mission, um, that, that we um, have a, a purpose in which God has given us here in the foothills, and so we say that our mission as a church is to dis- help people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. Like that's what we want to be all about here as a church. Helping those that are far from God discover a relationship with Jesus and helping those who already have a relationship with Jesus get deeper in that relationship. And we do that in a lot of different ways, but, but we believe that this is our purpose. This is our mission as a church as a church, and so we believe, though, and really our vision in this and our hope in this is that, is that really over the, the, the next generation, over the next 30-ish years, we want to see God flip the script here in the foothills, where we go from mostly unchurched to mostly church, where, where people who did not worship God now worship God, people who did not know Jesus now know Jesus. And so we want to flip the script here in the foothills in the next generation. And we believe that that is what God is calling us to, that that's the direction he is leading us in. And so we are going to pursue that um, and with the things that we do. Um, we, the, everything we do is going to lead to that. And so, so we said, hey, okay, wh- how do we actually do that, right? Like that was week one, but how do we actually begin to, to live that out? And we said... And we said the, uh, the, the second week of the series, we said, but we believe we are family. Uh, because we have been adopted by our Father in heaven, we now love like family. We now love like family. 
John 13, 35 tells us that, that Christians, uh, as followers of Jesus, we should be known by our love. We should be known by our love, not, not by our church attendance, not by our political um, viewpoints, but, but, but we should be known by our love. And then that brought us to last week where we said, okay, yes, we are family, but, but, but that's not going to help us flip the script here in the foothills in and of itself, um, that, that we also must embrace our new identity as servants, as servants, that, that, that we serve the least of these and we serve one another. Um, we believe that if we're going to flip the scripture in the foothills, we have to, it, it begins with love, right? Um, and, and then it begins with us actually serving one another, serving one another. And so that's what we've done the last couple weeks, but we still think that these two things in and of themselves are good, but, but that doesn't necessarily flip the script, now, those two things are, are good, right? Like, 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 and here's what I know, right? Like, like you can have unbelievers who love, you can have unbelievers who serve, and, and, and yet if it's disconnected from taking the gospel to people, you don't, have, you don't have the mission that God has given us. You have philanthropy. And so, so we, we want to bring in the third component this week of what we believe, of how we believe we flip the script, and, and, and so here's the idea. We believe we flip the script in the foothills when we understand and we believe that we are sent. When we believe that we are sent. Now, where, where are we sent? Well, we're going to talk about it, okay? Um, and what, what does that actually look like? How does that play itself out? Um, it, it, it plays itself in a lot of ways, but, but really there's a passage for me in John chapter 20 that I, that I, that I just kind of came across several years ago that, that really has reshaped my understanding and my viewpoint and my thinking of this idea we are sent. And so in John chapter 20 and verse 21, this is Jesus after he's already risen from the dead. He's come back from the grave, and, and, and this is what he says to his disciples. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so am I now sending you. As the Father has sent me, so am I now sending you. This is not just for super Christians. This is not just for those with seminary degrees. This is for every single person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so today, as we walk through this, and I, and I hope, hopefully, I'll unpack us for us how we are sent, I want you to know that this is your commissioning service today. That every single follower of Jesus in this room has been sent by Jesus like Jesus. So, let's pray and then we'll, we'll look at how Jesus was sent so we can better understand how we are sent. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for, for you being sent to us. And we just, we just pray and we ask that, that as we unpack these ideas over the next few moments and over the next little bit, I pray, Lord, and I ask that we would, we would just believe deeply that we are sent ones. I pray for the men and the women and the children who are in this room. I pray that they would follow your calling to live sent lives into the foothills where you have put them. I pray that they would, that the, that they would be the light 
in this community. A life in this community that needs more of your goodness, more of your love, and more of your life-changing gospel and grace. And I pray that we would embrace our calling today. And so, Jesus, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we, we, we see this idea that we have been sent by Jesus just as he was sent to us. Uh, we, we see that idea, and, and the, thir- the first thing, um, if you're like me, the first thing you can begin to, to think when you see that is, is that's good and all, that, that, that we've been sent like Jesus, but, but, but if you're like me, you begin to look at the things Jesus did and the, the, the way he lived his life, and you think, well, well, Jesus was God, and I am not, clearly, right? Like, like clearly, um, Jesus was God, and we are not. And, and so you can begin to um, undermine and, and, and underestimate, underestimate and, and, and begin to think, well, it's because Jesus is God that he was able to do the things he did and, and live the life he did. And, and while, yes, 100%, we believe that Jesus is God, simultaneously, we believe that Jesus was also man. And sometimes I think we undermine the, the, the things that Jesus did while he was here on earth because we undermine the fact and the reality that he was also a man just like us. This is the idea of the incarnation, that he came like us. In fact, the author of Hebrews would tell us that we have a great high priest in Jesus who can relate to us in every way, that he knows what it's like to be betrayed. That he knows what it's like to, 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 to have, um, have loved ones pass away. He knows what it's like to have a friend go through sickness. He, he knows what your experience is. He knows what it's like to be tempted. Jesus knows what it's like. In fact, I, I love this. John Mark Comer says this about Jesus He says, in Jesus' incarnation, Jesus becoming like us in human form, he says, in Jesus' incarnation, we also see what a real, true human being is like. We see what God had in mind from the very beginning. And what he's saying here, and what he's trying to help us understand when he says that, He's trying to help us understand that when, if you go back to, to, to the garden, right, you go back to Genesis 1 and 2, when God created Adam and Eve, and that they, they were able to be naked and not ashamed, that, that they were able to be in perfect relationship and connection with God, that, 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 that the way things were supposed to be, that, that that is what Jesus actually came and lived out. In fact, in Romans, Paul would call Jesus the new Adam, the new Adam, that, 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 that this is what we see here. This is what we see here. And so when we, when we look at the life of Jesus and how he was sent and, and the, the things that he was able to do and the way he was able to live his life, we cannot, we cannot dismiss his humanity. We cannot dismiss his humanity and just say he could do that because he was God. We must understand that Jesus did life in ministry as a man, dependent and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did life and ministry, dependent and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
independent and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, I want to show you some of these things here. Luke chapter 3, and then let me just say this real quick while you turn over there, um, that uh, kids in the room, I love that you're here today. Can I just tell you that, um, kids? I'm, I'm so thankful that you're in the room. And, and so if you need to wiggle around, kids, parents, if your kids are making a little noise, it's all good. We're, we're super glad that they're here. They, we love kids at Grace Hills. Um, like, like if we don't hear the noise of children, then we're in trouble as a church, okay? Um, if we don't hear the, 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 the voices and, and cries of kids, then, then, then we are not heading in the right direction as a church. So kids are so important, um, and we love that you're here, kids. So, so just know that. Um, uh, that's, that's the truth today. So uh, Luke chapter 3, though, is, is Jesus um, is beginning his ministry. Right before he begins his ministry, um, if you look with me in verse 21, as we see how Jesus was empowered and dependent on the Holy Spirit to do life and ministry. Verse 21, it says this. It says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, they were going to John the Baptist in the wilderness, and he was baptizing. They go, Jesus goes out there, and Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit, in bodily form, descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And you bring me great joy. Now, a couple things we have to understand here is, one, Jesus was not being baptized because he was a sinner, but he was being baptized as an example to us and as obedience to the Father, okay? He was showing that he is fully submitted to the Father's will. And so if you're thinking about being baptized, we follow Christ's example in baptism, okay? This is a way for us to show that we are submitting ourselves to Christ's lordship in our lives when we get baptized. But... Look what happens here as Christ submits himself to the Father. It says that the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Okay, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. This is where we see the Holy Spirit inaugurate Jesus' life and ministry in this moment. He he inaugurates Jesus' life and ministry in this moment. And I love what we see next. It says that you... God, the Father, says this from heaven, says, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And you bring me great joy. Here's what we need to understand today. Here's what we need to understand today, okay? That that, that we do life and ministry. Like, just in case you're wondering, if you're following Jesus, you're in ministry, okay? Wherever God has put you, that's your ministry. And so God declares him in this moment. He says, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. So Jesus is able to do life and ministry empowered by the Spirit with this affirmation from his Father in heaven, with with this blessing from his Father in heaven. And can I just tell you that, that, that as followers of Jesus, when we are submitting ourselves to him and we are living lives in obedience to him and we are living lives in submission to him, that we go with this same blessing. That that the Father in heaven looks over your life when we are following him and we are in submission to him and says, you are dearly loved. You're dearly loved. And you bring me great joy. You are fully pleasing to me. And we are fully pleasing to, to, to God, not because of who we are, not because of the outcomes we produce. We are fully pleasing to God because of the outcome Jesus produced. 
And so when Jesus, and so when God looks down on us, he doesn't see our, how messed up we are. He sees the perfection of Jesus in us. Okay? That the same Holy Spirit that descended on Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that seals and fills every single follower of Jesus so that now we can go out into the world with this confirmation and affirmation from the Father in heaven that we are dearly loved and we bring him great joy. We go with the Spirit, the Spirit, the same Spirit that affirms and affirms Jesus in this moment. So this is the inauguration of Jesus' ministry. And then if we keep going, we look at uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and I don't think I have these verses. I'm I'm throwing this one in there for free today. Um, It says Luke chapter 4, and it says, Then Jesus, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He ate nothing all, um, nothing all that time and became very hungry. And so Jesus is led, and it, so Jesus comes out of the water, and then immediately he is driven into the wilderness. By, by, by who? Not, not the enemy, not Satan, but he's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He's led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he is tempted. Where, where, where the enemy comes to him and, and is whispering in his ear, and, and so one of the things we have to understand is that, that when we encounter temptation, um, one of the things that we can look at here from Jesus' life, how does Jesus overcome the temptation of the enemy? Well, uh, the, the, the easy answer is like, well, he quoted Scripture, right? And, and absolutely, I believe we should be able to quote Scripture. We should love God's Word and be able to speak those true words into, reality, into the enemy's lies. But, but that's not the only way because the enemy also quoted scripture the enemy also quoted scripture and and so Jesus is able to overcome temptation here he's able to overcome the the enemy's lies not just because he knows God's word but because he is filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one who reminds him of the truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers him to say no and walk away. The Holy Spirit is the one who strengthens him in his faith in this moment. The, the, the Holy Spirit is the one who is allowing him to move past this temptation. And so listen, I don't know what temptation you are facing today and struggling with on a regular basis. I don't know what that challenge is for you. I don't know what maybe has you captive. But here's what I know. That if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus has. And in the Holy Spirit, you have the power to turn and walk away. In the Holy Spirit, you have the power to say no to sin. In the Holy Spirit, you are free. And you can speak the truth into the lies the enemy is whispering into your ear. That whatever you believe is satisfying Whatever the enemy's got tricked you into believing will ultimately satisfy you, will ultimately uh, uh, make you happy, will ultimately relieve whatever pain you're trying to escape. The Holy Spirit has, is within you to help you overcome temptation. And so when we think about how Jesus was sent, well, Jesus is sent by the Holy Spirit. He's sent by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. So, so Jesus overcomes temptation through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
He, he walks through life affirmed and confirmed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look with me over to Luke chapter, it's still in chapter 4. Jump with me over to verse 14 when Jesus returns from the wilderness and being tempted. Verse 14 in Luke 4, this is what it says. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee. What? Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Kids, look to your parents and say, filled with the Holy Spirit. All three of you, that was great. Um, so, so, so Jesus returns to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power, and reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogue and was praised by everyone. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit's power as he begins his teaching ministry. As he begins to, 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 to speak into people's lives and, and tell people about the kingdom of God that is coming. As he does that, he does that not through his own power, not because he is simply God, but because he is filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Because he's filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus teaches with authority by the Holy Spirit's power. The same power that is within us. Jump with me down to verse 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord. Jesus sets, goes to his hometown. Let me tell you kind of what's going on. Jesus goes to his hometown, and there he, he still filled with the Holy Spirit. They ask him to read, the, read some scripture and teach them. And this is what he says in verse 18. He reads from the prophet Isaiah, and this is what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And then he began to speak to them. The scripture you have just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus' entire ministry. Every miracle he performed, everything that he taught, every time he healed someone, every time he cast out demons, when he would calm the storms, when he would walk on water, when he would raise the dead back to life, all of this is possible because of the Holy Spirit at work within him. The Holy Spirit at work within him. Jesus' life and ministry is marked by dependency and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we could do these verses, exchange them with more, and we could go through all of Jesus' life and ministry. And over and over again, we're going to see the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. And here's what we have to understand and begin to believe today. That the same Holy Spirit that was sent with Jesus, is now at work in every single person who would believe. This is the reality. This is what I've said from week one. That what God has done for us, he now wants to do through us. And God sent Jesus to us through the power of the Spirit. And now we have been sent like Jesus with the power of the Spirit. What God has done for us, he now wants to do through this. How do I know this? Well, um, I, I think one of the ways we play, first places we see this being played out is in the early church. Flip with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. This is Acts chapter 1, starting in, in verse 1. This is what it says. 
says this, in my first book, I told you Theophilus. Um, Luke is the author of Acts. He, he wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke, which we were just reading. This is part two of his, um, of his writing. Um, and this is what he says. I told you, um, uh, excellent Theophilus, uh, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he, actually, that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Here's just a side note real quick, um, that, that Jesus actually rose from the grave. Like, like he was dead, like completely dead for three days, and then he rose from the grave. That everything we believe as followers of Jesus is anchored in that reality and that truth. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, which would Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, if, Paul, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then we believe in vain. And we believe in vain. But this is what he says in verse 4. He says, once again, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. That's the Holy Spirit. And as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. This is huge. Underline verse 8 if you, if you have a Bible and you do that. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Listen, I, here, here's one of the things, I, here's one of the side notes I think we need to understand and know here, is, is we are a very, um, uh, just to kind of help us understand how prideful we are here in America, um, we, we can often understand this, we are the ends of the earth. Um, in, in this passage, in case you're wondering, um, we are not the Jerusalem, we are the ends of the earth. Um, and so, but, but what we have to understand here, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why will we receive power though? Why will we receive the power of the Holy Spirit within us? Why will we, why will we be empowered in, in, in the day-to-day -day life of our lives as followers of Jesus? Why will we do that? To be his witnesses. If you're like Marcus, I don't know how to tell anybody about Jesus. You have, if you've experienced the power of Jesus in your own life, to heal your life, to transform your life, you have a story to tell. Your story is the most powerful, powerful thing you can share with someone. Every single one of us has a story. And if Jesus has, has, has taken over your story, you can be a witness through your the power of the Holy Spirit, you can share your story. Because as the Father has sent Jesus, so now is he sending us. So now is he sending us because we've been filled with the power of the Spirit, just as the early church was filled with the power of the Spirit. Listen, look with me over to Acts chapter 2. We see it again in verse 1 through 4. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. There's only about 120 believers at this point. They're meeting together in one place, just like this. Maybe not just like this, but similar. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And what 
And, th- and w- then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. As the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We have one of the most powerful moments in all of church history here in this moment. That this is actually the beginning of the church. That the church begins, not when Jesus ascended to heaven, but a few days later when the Holy Spirit came upon them and filled them. This is the same Holy Spirit that exists in you and me. And then what happens next is incredible. Peter begins, Peter filled with the Spirit, he begins to preach. And, he, and let me just tell you that, that it is the most unseeker-friendly uh, message you've ever heard. He said, you know that Jesus, you know the one you killed? Yeah, he's God, and he rose from the dead, and he can save you if you would repent and believe. That's, G- that's, Peter, that's the gist of Peter's message, okay? Repent and believe, because you killed Jesus, the author of life. Now, I think that that's um, just incredible as a, as a preacher, um, just uh, that's, that's an interesting thing. But, but look what happens in verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. This is how we know the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all believers. This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners to save themselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41, and those who believed what Peter said were baptized and were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. The church goes from 120 to 3,000 in one day. Not because of Peter's excellent monologue preaching, okay? The, the, the church goes from that because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work within them. And we see as we were, if we were to follow the early church and we begin to look at them, that their ministry looks similar to Jesus' ministry. Why? Because it's the same spirit that empowered Jesus' ministry. is the same spirit that empowered the early church's ministry. And it's the same spirit that now lives within each of us for the daily things that we walk with in Can I just tell you something? That God has given you the Holy Spirit, that he has empowered you with his spirit. And you you don't need a seminary degree. You don't don't need to have the Bible memorized. You you don't need to to be this this idea that we have in our head of the super Christian. Like like, like you don't need to have all of these apologetic arguments um, memorized to go and be his witnesses where he has placed you. We We don't need that. We don't need that because 
And, and here's how I know. Look with me in Acts chapter 4. I'm going to show you real quick. Here's how I know we don't need any of that. Because um, Peter and John, they're hanging out. They get in trouble. They get arrested. They go before the, the, uh, the, the Sanhedrin. And this is what it says in uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They were uneducated, common people like you and me. This is who God used. This is who God used because as the Father has sent Jesus, so now he sends us with the power of the Holy Spirit, dependent, when we live lives dependent on the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we don't, like, like being on mission, being sent once, doesn't mean we necessarily have to go to a mission field. It doesn't matter, it mean we have to be a pastor. It, it means that God has strategically placed you where you are to be witnesses there. It begins in our homes, it, then it goes to our workplaces and our neighborhoods and our communities. That this is the places we are sent, filled with the power of the Spirit. Filled with the power of the Spirit, and it doesn't require special training. Now, should we try and learn more? Absolutely. But, but, but it, let me just tell you, it's not our clever arguments that change people's hearts. God alone changes hearts. He's the one who does that. And we have to be reliant and dependent on the Spirit's work in us and through us. And I don't think many of us actually believe that the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives most of the time. Most of us, most of the time, do not actually believe in the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Listen, I just, no one expects you to be the special forces of Jesus' followers, okay? Like, like we, we don't expect you, Jesus doesn't expect you to be the Jesus, the special forces of Jesus' followers here in the foothills. We are just normal, everyday, ordinary men and women, and yes, even children, empowered and dependent on the Holy Spirit. And God has the ability and the tendency to use ordinary people like us in radical ways when we live convinced of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. So much so that, I, here's what I believe, I believe that if we would believe this, that 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, we're going to be able to look back and see the fruit of what God did in us and through us, through the power of his spirit at work in us. That we're going to be able to see um, stories that have been turned upside down. We're going to see men and women who were far from God come near to God. We're, we're, going, to, we're going to see uh, generational impact here in the foothills if we would just believe like, like, let me just, like, this is something I'm praying for you every day as a church. That you would deeply believe in the Spirit's power at work within you so that you can live sent lives wherever God has placed you. But I don't think we believe that most of the time. I think most of the time we believe that God could never use me. We, we think, well, what if I don't have the right answer for a question they ask? What, 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 if, what if I say the wrong thing? And can I just tell you that God is not pleased with you because of the outcomes you produce. God is pleased with you because you have faith that leads to obedience and following him into the everyday, mundane, boring stuff of life. When we take the Holy Spirit into those places, those things that seem mundane become extraordinary. All by the power of the Spirit at work within us. 
And so, where are we sent to? Well, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20 says, go. And really that, 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 that word is, is better translated, as you are going. As you are going. To make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And who will be with us there? Jesus, even to the end of the age. Where are we sent? We are sent to everyone, everywhere. When we go to the grocery store, when we go to work, when we go on a walk around our neighborhood, when we go on a hiking trail, when we're on the ski slopes, when we, whatever, whenever, that's where we have been sent, empowered by the Spirit of God. Empowered by the Spirit of God. What if we began to see our mealtimes as opportunities to invite our neighbors in? To share our story with them? What, what, what if we began to see, see our kids' activities as a chance to connect with other parents who don't yet know God? What, what if we began to see our trips to the grocery store as opportunity to bless um, somebody who's checking, doing, you know, doing the cashiers and just saying, hey, how can I pray for you today? What if we began to see our walks around our neighborhood as an opportunity to pray for our neighbors? What if we saw all of life, the boring, everyday, mundane things as opportunity to live sent lives? See, here's, here's what I believe, and this is the graphic that we've been using for several weeks now. We believe that we are here to help people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. And we do that when, when we love like family and when we serve the least of these, but we have to also live sent lives. Because if we aren't taking the good news of Jesus to those who are far from him, then we're not living on mission. We're not living the life that Jesus called us to live. And I, and, and I want you just to know and be, be encouraged and strengthened in your faith today to just know that he has not sent you alone. He has empowered you with the Spirit. That you have the same power within you that rose Christ from the dead. That is the power that he sends us with. So how dare we think that he could never use us. Because his power is greater than our weakness. May we believe that. Here is a quick video I just want to show you of, um, there, there's, so many of you are living sent lives already. Um, and, and, and one of the, here, here's a story of, 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 of a family that was um, dis, disconnected from, from church. Um, and, and because their neighbors lived sent lives, they are now here, they're part of our church family, and they are serving, and we're thankful that they're here, and so check out their story. So we're the Hoffmans. Uh, this is my wife, Kayla, my daughter, Clara, and my son, Weston. Found a dog in my front yard one day and I knew it was my next door neighbors so I walked it over to them and uh, my good neighbor Kyle and I started talking and uh, you all know Kyle and 
he invited me to church and so I brought my family and we've been part of the community ever since. In general, like our whole family has grown. Clara comes home excited every day after church on Sunday when she gets to have a big drawing and everything like that. Her favorite thing is to dance to uh, church songs, she says. So we turn on church songs on YouTube and she twirls and dances because that's her favorite thing. Clara, what do you like about church? You like Jesus? Does Jesus like you? Yeah. It's important to join the church so that you have a community behind you and that you can make connection. We all long for connection and that's really what you get here at Grace Hills. I think that men's group has been really good and beneficial for me personally, being able to open up to some, some guys that I feel comfortable with and, and gaining those relationships and those people that I can rely on in hard times or when I'm struggling with things. I think that community has been really strong for me. We've been gifted an awesome blessing uh, in knowing what, what's been done for us on the cross. And I think it's really important that we go and share that blessing with others. Jesus can use us in whatever season we're in to find connection with other people. You may think you're in some kind of absurd season of your life, but you never know how you might meet someone else in theirs and sharing our stories is how we connect to one another and how we find relationship, which is really what God wants for us. And um, we can use whatever season of life we're in to share together and help bring each other to Christ. Trying to share that, that wonderful news of, of Christ with everyone um, is, is really important. Um, just sharing it with the people you work with and the people that are around you, just the same as you know, uh, I walked my dog across the street and Bree and Kyle invited me into the church. We can invite everybody into the church. So, yeah, we can clap, that's fine, yeah. Uh, so, so, so what does this look like for your life this week? Um, what, what, what does it look like for you to live a sent life um, wherever God has placed you? Right, and so, so I have these cards on your, there's, on your chair. There's two of them. So if you want to hold those up, kids, you too. I want kids, kids hold those up. Um, every kid should have had those. Maybe not if you're on the very front row. But um, uh, and so here, here's here's the first thing I think that we need to, to begin doing. Okay, um, I, I want you to begin to thinking of who's your one. Okay, look, look to your neighbor and say who's your one. Okay, let's try that again because you guys are way more able to do that. Who's your one? Okay. So, so here's, here's the thing. I, I, I think that lives are changed one life at a time. And there are thousands of men and women and children throughout our communities, throughout the foothills that are far from God. But we can't save and, and, and share the good news with them all at once. But I believe we can share it with one. And so on this card, here's what I want you to do, okay? On both of these cards, I want you to write, okay, who is the one person that God is sending you to? Who is the one person that God has uniquely positioned you to reach with the gospel this year? So I want you to write down that person's name on each one of these cards. And here's what I want you to do, okay? Here in a minute, well, I'm gonna invite you to come forward. And I want you to, we're, we're gonna come and do something we don't normally do, so if you're guests, I'm sorry if this seems weird, but we do weird things sometimes. So. 
I want you to begin, I want you to bring one of those cards up and I want you to lay it down here on the stage and I want you to pray over that name. Just kneel down here, sit down here, stand up here, whatever you need to do. We're going to come, we're going to pray over our one. And then I want you to take the other one home. I want you to leave one here because here's the thing, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to take those cards and I'm going to begin praying through those names um, on on a weekly basis. So I want you to leave one card with me so I can pray with you. But but I want you to take the other one home, and I want you to put it somewhere. Maybe you just carry it in your pocket. Maybe you put it in your wallet. Maybe you put it in your purse. But someplace that you would see it on a normal basis. So almost every day, you see that card, and you begin praying for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with your one. So so I I think that that's, that's who we are called to this year. Who is your one? second thing I want to challenge you to do this week is is if you've never taken the time to write down your story, how God changed your life, write that down somewhere. I just want you to write it somewhere so, so that you are at least aware of how God has been working in your life and how he transformed your story. And then thirdly, we believe that We believe that, as we see in the early disciples, one of the things that they did was they they would say, hey, come and see what we're talking about. And so here's 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 my third challenge for you today. Between today and Easter, March 31st, that's five, five ish weeks, six ish weeks, I want you to invite three people to come with you to church. Three people who are disengaged, disconnected, and far from God. I want you to invite three people to join you for church between now and Easter. We have invite cards out on our table out there that you can take to use if you need those. But we need to be saying, hey, come see what God is doing in my life. Come experience what I'm experiencing. So, I want to share this story because as we think about how we flip the script in the foothills in the next generation, I came across this story several weeks ago, and I just thought, man, I need to share that with, with our church. And so, so here's the story of, of a man named Dasharath Manji, okay? And this is, this is his picture. And this is his story. One day, while bringing her husband food, Manji's wife slipped and fell to the bottom of a cliff. A villager notified Manji, but because of the nearest hospital was so far away, they weren't able to get there in time to save her life. After this tragic event, Manji vowed to carve a path through the mountains to prevent anything like this from ever happening again. So for the next 22 years, 22 years, Manji worked little by little to make a safer way for his community. He would burn firewood on the rocky terrain, splash and splashed the heated surface with water so that he could chisel away at the cracked boulders and turn them into rubble one at a time. He would plow fields during the day to earn money and resumed his chiseling at night. When a drought struck their town, Manji's family moved to a different city, but he remained to continue the work. In 1982... More than two decades later, Manji finally completed the footpath and changed the lives of everyone in that village forever. 
the treacherous 35 miles they had previously walked was now reduced to a much safer 10. Small acts every day to carve a path of healing and transformation for his people. Eugene Peterson would say it this way. It's long obedience in the same direction. Zechariah, the the writer in the Bible would say this, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices in the work, to see the work begin. If we wanna see the script flipped here in the foothills in the next generation, if we want to see mountains moved here in the foothills, if we wanna see strongholds destroyed, we might need to start chiseling rocks every single day. We might need to start with small, ordinary acts in the everyday stuff of life, living lives as as family, living lives as servants, and living lives as sent ones. Who's your one? Who's your one? And so, here's what I'm gonna do. The band's gonna come back up. And I want everybody just to take 30 seconds I want you just to write down who's your one this year. And I want you to come and I want you to lay your card down on the stage up here. And I just want you to pray over that person. And let's just pray over our communities together. So I invite you to come.